Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's Location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that! Shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough... Think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic. A sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere we kick off. The fifth hour weekend podcast with Ben Maller because, hey, the overnight show, four hours a night, not enough, and eight days a week, double barrel action on a Friday. And if you're listening to this show, if you're new, welcome. We always like bringing new people into the store. We need to have new customers in the store. It's good to have you. I'm not going to blab that much because this is an interview conversation podcast. We like to bring in friends to hang out. And Chad, and uh, we're joined by my man David Gascon, who's going to be on with me here on the podcast, uh, Gascon. And I'm excited about this one because someone we wanted to get on, and uh, finally we pulled the the string on this and made it happen. Uh, We're going to chat with the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Charlie Steiner, is going to hang out with us. And I've known Charlie casually for... You know, a number of years now, and I'll see him uh, when I go to these Dodger games, hanging out, schmoozing in the press box or whatnot. And uh, I've actually known Charlie before he was the voice of the Dodgers. He's been the play-by-play guy for the Dodgers for the last, uh, I think, 17 seasons, I believe. I think he's heading into his 17th or 18th season now as the voice of the Dodgers. He's a National Radio Hall of Famer. 
Charlie Steiner. Many people know him more as the Sports Center anchor, depending on how old you are, right? From back in the day, Gascon. Yeah. I mean, it was a legend in the in the heyday of ESPN when that was the the place, the mecca of sports television. Uh, before everything got watered down in sports media. And also a boxing guy. Charlie covered uh, synonymous with boxing for so many years. And all the big fights Charlie Steiner was reporting on and covering and whatnot. And so excited to have him in here. Just thinking about him, I don't know if you were like this when you were younger, but I felt like SportsCenter when I was a kid was appointment TV. It was like finding him, finding, you know – all these guys that were on there. I mean, Linda Cohn, she did a lot of, you know, stuff with, with hockey, but it still is Keith Olbermann, um, Dan Patrick, Tom Lee, or was it Tom Meese was on there? I think. Tom Meese, yes. Um, Bob Meese, Lee. Yeah. There's just guys that were on there from start. To, I mean, Chris Berman, obviously, and Tom Jackson. You know, those guys were, were synonymous with the NFL. But, yeah, sports that are back in the day, that was like our, our playground, you know, as kids. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the Stone Age, because you're doing a back-in-the-day story, you're old, guess, guy. you're proving you're old here. But, yeah, I mean, we were consuming sports. You, you Jonesing as a kid, you were like, oh, my God. I mean, my experience, and not to get too long-witted because I want to bring Charlie in here, but my experience with sports cons- consumption, like, I had to watch This Week in Baseball to yep. get baseball highlights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember getting the red and the green book that they would give out before the season for the National and the American League. The American League was red. The National League was green. They gave these books out. That's how you got the stats. There was you know, the the Internet as it is today did not did not exist. And so, uh, but SportsCenter, that was like you got everything. In, in, an, in an hour of SportsCenter, you'd get every highlight, every big story, and it was so important to watch that. You know, being on the West Coast, we had it, what, I think the first SportsCenter was at Four o'clock, I think. Yeah, uh, our L.A. time, California time, and that was big. And then they'd have the the late Sports Center after the games were over. So, and, and Charlie was such a big part of that. So, anyway, excited to have him on. Let's give it up now. The voice of the Dodgers. He got the call, the final out of the World Series. We got to bring that up. We'll get to that. Uh, Charlie Steiner, and uh, why don't we start with this, Charlie? You've been calling games from your house over the last. Uh, last baseball season, what has the experience been like for you uh, and and how different, obviously, that has been for everybody, but for you as a play-by-play guy in Major League Baseball, you're sitting in your home calling games. Tell me what that's been like. Well, go back to last July uh, when we were all trying to figure out what the season was going to look like, and we had a Zoom call, and you're not a human being unless you've had at least one. Uh, with uh, the entire broadcast group and our bosses. Um, and it was, that was three or four days before the first exhibition game. And upon the completion of the Zoom call, I got a call from one of said bosses, and he said he didn't look happy. I said, well, I don't know about happy, but I certainly am apprehensive. And, you know, I am of that age. Uh, I am diabetic and these days who isn't um uh, so i talked to my doctor and i said so what do you think and he said as as a fan i would love to have you and mo back because this is what i what and who i listen to every summer as a friend i'm not so sure and as uh, as your doctor are you out of your mind um and so it was like well that was a 
a slap in the face of reality. Uh, the next, and I had spoken to Mo, and I wasn't quite sure, of course, we were going to do the game out of Dodger Stadium, even uh, on the road, the 60 games all from there. And my doctor suggested, you know, you probably shouldn't, just don't. Uh, and I called the next day and I said, I'm feeling really anxious about it. And, and if it comes to, I, I'm just going to have to opt out this year. Um, and that was pretty much the end of the conversation. I'm thinking, well, gee, that's probably the end of my career. And I got knocked out by COVID. Next day, they, the Dodgers come back and said, well, what if you did it from home? I went, well, um, yes. You know, I didn't think it was. Uh, technically or humanly possible to be able to do it. And we did it. They, they added two large monitors in what used to be my living room. It became the media room. And thankfully this year it has returned to being the living room. And so I ended up doing the games from home. Um, and Mo was at, uh, at, at Dodger stadium along with Dwayne McDonald, our, our producer and engineer. And it took maybe four or five days, three of them being exhibition games, um, to get it more technically in sync. You know, Mo and I, when we're calling a game, we're not looking at each other. We're both looking at the field. And now our 17th year, we can fill each other's sentences in. So that was never going to be an issue. And slowly but surely, it it, it seemed to work. Um, And then fast forward to you know, the playoffs in the World Series, um, I finally got a chance to watch the World Series film. I guess in January, there was no hurry. I knew the outcome. But most importantly, I watched the highlight film from the very chair that I announced the World Series on the very screen that I watched it. And as I watched and listened to the highlight film, I could have sworn I was in Texas. So technically, it worked. And I think what's going to happen down the road in our industry in general, and some teams in particular, I'm not entirely sure that announcers are necessarily going to go on the road for every game. So I think it, it it was weird. I understood the weirdness of it last year and still even this year. Uh, we have a giant asterisk about how we are living and conducting our lives. And that was just kind of part of the drill. And I'll, I'll finish up this endless answer with this. Uh, the very first game I ever called was a Brooklyn Dodger game in my basement in my home on Long Island when I was five. And the most recent Dodger game that I broadcast was from my living room at my home. And they won the World Series and people actually heard it. So talk <laughs> about what goes around comes around. Yeah, the circle the circle of life. You I think we we all did that. I did the same thing. I was like you you you're like I'm doing play by play in my home and you know you the final out of the World Series and you called. I want to bring that up Charlie because on the Dodgers flagship AM570 the Dodger network there finally after all these years the long suffering Dodger fans got to hear a radio call of their team winning the World Series and you had a great call. Uh, and yet finally the wait is over tears of joy let them flow I mean I remember uh, a lot of it and you mentioned 88 as well uh, and you 
you've had a lot of big moments. How concerned, how nervous were you to not screw up in that spot? I mean, you nailed it, but how concerned were you? Because you, you could anticipate the Dodgers were likely going to win because of the lead they had at the time late in the game. Sure. But what was the, what was going through your mind as it was getting closer to your, you were going to have to make that call at the end of the World Series? That morning, I called Vince. Uh, who, with whom we still have a wonderful friendship. He has been a mentor, a father-like figure, and again, the Babe Ruth of our business. Uh, so I called him that morning, and I said, so I got this, if, if they win tonight, I have this great idea. And he said, oh, yeah, what's that? I said, how about a line like, in a year that's been so improbable? Uh, and he said, I believe it's taken. Um, and so I said so you know it was one of those you just go you go to the grand poobah for just not advice we just talked and it was not talking off the ledge it was just going in before a big game and talking to a former player in this case so what I had been thinking about and one of the things you really don't want to do is uh, prepare and write out a script, any of that stuff. You just let it let it rip from your head and your heart and your eyes. And and the word that kept going through my head all day was joy, and how much joy this would bring, and how little joy any of us had experienced that year. And it just all came together um and, and i was uh, i was and, and you're right there is that nagging fear oh lord please don't fuck it up um <laughs> and, and 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 i remember when i had the aaron boone call in 2003 uh when he hit the uh, game winner and the yankees walked off against the red sox and go to the world series I remember he's circling the bases, and I had made the call, and in the back of my head, because it happened so quickly, I said, oh, please, you know, finish the call cleanly. Um, and, and I did with that, and I guess I did with this, too. But, it, you know, again, the story was obviously the Dodgers had won, and finally there was something for all of us to be happy about. Yeah, no, it was a it was a great call, and and you mentioned you did the Yankee games for for a few years back in the day. What's the biggest difference? You know, these are the two biggest markets in the country, and you know you're on the on the radio doing Yankee games, you're doing Dodger games, you've been doing Dodger games for I mean, almost twenty years now. But what's the what's the big difference uh, between a Yankee broadcast and a Dodger broadcast, or is it all the same? You know, at, at the end of the day, without sounding highfalutin, a game is still a game. The moment is still a moment. And when you go and do what it is we do, all you can do is the best that you can. Um, you know, in, in New York, I was working with John Sterling, and it was really two play-by-play announcers, and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But at the end of the day, we had a pretty good broadcast, and that was that. And then when we came out here, to work with Mo, and this is, you're right, it's going to be my 17th year now. Um, our our roles were more clearly defined. And that, I think, makes for a cleaner broadcast. And, and we're very lucky, Mo and I. We've become friends. We're family. 
Um, and, and we were talking about it right after the, uh, uh, that night at the end of the, the post-game coverage. Um, because of the year that was, you know, <laughs> so improbable, there's Mo at Dodger Stadium and I'm at home and, and uh, Dwayne is at Dodger Stadium. We didn't see one another. Yet we, our, our bond, which was always strong, uh, grew stronger because we persevered all this craziness together and it was a, it was a, it became a lot more meaningful than even just winning a World Series. That we managed to persevere, like everybody else, like every Dodger, like every Dodger fan. Somehow, we got through it and uh, and won. Yeah, it was uh, it was great to listen to you, uh, and I couldn't tell. I I did. I thought at one point I thought you were actually in Texas. It sounded. It did sound like you were you were there where the World Series was going on. But I uh, here's the thing. I want to tell a story, Charlie. Now you probably don't know this story because it's not important to you at all, but it's important to me. So when I first met you, you were doing Sunday night baseball for ESPN Radio with Kevin Kennedy. This is in like uh-huh. the late the late '90s, and I actually did stats for you. I don't know if you you probably don't remember that, but I did stats for you a few times. And my shining moment, Charlie, was a giant Dodger game on a Sunday night, and uh, Ellis Burks was playing. He, I think he came over from the Rockies that year. He was playing for the Giants, and uh-huh. uh, and uh, this was like the Bonds Kent Giants. I think it was 1998, in fact. And Brian 98 was when Kevin and I worked together. Yes. There you go. So Brian Bohannon was uh, the he had, the Dodgers picked him up. He was the pitcher. So I found some stat about how Ellis Burks had this great career. You know, a bunch of home runs against Brian Bohannon. So I handed you this like note, right? I gave you this note, and uh, the like the next pitch after you had gave the stat, Ellis Burks hit a home run into the pavilion at Dodger Stadium. That was a long time ago, but I bring that up because it makes me feel good because I remember it. And uh, how have stats changed? Because there's so many more stats now, Charlie, and you're the play-by-play guy. And I think a lot of baseball on the radio is more telling stories, but there's a stat for everything these days. So how do you handle that? Ben, you're absolutely right. Um, On radio, it's a much more of a storyteller's medium if you know when you start talking about war and vip and this and that, if you see it on your screen, okay, you kind of get it, and even then you need some interpreter to say what does this actually mean, except some numbers. On the radio, if you start running off numbers like this, plus three, minus two, it somebody's stuck in traffic, it's just gonna go either over their heads or through the ears from one side to the other. So for me and for Mo, and again, we are, we're older. Uh, we are less, in, in terms of broadcasters, statistically driven than younger broadcasters. We still stick with the stories. Um, at the end of the day, uh, and again, I'm proudly an old-school baseball guy. Give me the back of a baseball card if I haven't seen a player before, then I can have at least a pretty good idea of what he is capable of doing. But uh, you know, defensive this and, and, and offensive that, it's like it's still a game played by people. It's not like my Apple computer is better than your Mac uh, or your, Mac, uh, your Dell or whatever it is. Um, and it's so just for me, 
Let the players play and how they play. It's up to us then to describe what they're doing uh, well or not. And does a guy make a catch or not make a catch based on some arbitrary statistic? Uh, to me, not necessarily. So, uh, I, again, Mo's been around a long time. I've been around a long time. And we've seen a lot. And hopefully we can tell stories pretty well. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's Location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Charlie, speaking of those stories and, and the history that you have for the game of baseball, what about when you're at the ballpark? I don't know. If Ben wants me to bring this up, but I'll do it anyway. He uh, he had outcasted me a few years ago to go to Bakersfield to uh, call minor league baseball. <laughs> and uh, I did so, but uh, kind of took some of his advice about journaling everything that you do. It's about that story, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's fascinating to, to learn about these guys that are minor leaguers trying to get to the show. But when you're in the show, what about the interaction that you have with these players prior to first pitch when they're stretching, throwing, limbering up? Did you miss that? It part? has changed dramatically over the years. 
it is. And again, now you're going to hear some cranky old guy <laughs> screaming, get off my lawn, you're rotten. Kid. <laughs> but the, the reality is the interaction between writers and broadcasters and players is so significantly different than it was certainly when I first started out and, and, and the years before I got into it. That was in a day when you went back to the hotel after a game and you'd have a beer with a player who was, relatively speaking, a contemporary, where the dollar disparity between players and those who cover them was not so vast. In a day when now players and their agents can control whatever it is they want to say or not say through their own social media accounts, so all of that has fundamentally changed. Um, and, and, and for us old guys, that's sad because part of what it was that drew us to calling games was to be able to paint the picture and get inside the heads of these guys, which doesn't frankly exist very much anymore. Now, uh, because of the pandemic and Zoom calls and all of that, you don't see or hear, um, no matter the newspaper or the radio station or the network, anything different. They're all saying the same thing based on the limited availability that they have to the players. So there it's fundamentally different. And so what, what I'm trying to do and as this uh, technology evolves and how the game has changed is try to reflect on players or instances that are similar to what these players or given player in this given play might have been. So it it is different, and I'm not entirely sure it's going to go back to what it once was. Because of the differences now in time then, have you ever had, or, or even recently, have you had one of those David Price, Dennis Eckersley, I guess... Uh, no, counters. you know, and if I have, I don't care, <laughs> you know, well, the player uh, might, <laughs> you know, again, uh, that's where it is fundamentally different. Yeah. Um, when players tell you they don't watch or they don't read or they don't listen, they are so full of it. Um, they just are. They know exactly what's been said. And what I think we all have to understand what you're doing, Ben, what I'm doing, what players are doing, we all live in this ecosystem. The players play and we talk about it. Um, they make an error and we have to mention it. Um, that's not to say we're not going to make a mistake or we're going to blow a call, but we're all in this giant ecosystem. And, and the more uh, we all, all of us, understand it, the better it is ultimately for the customer. And that's the fan who wants to learn as much as they can about the game, about a moment, about a player. But again, that's where it has fundamentally changed over the years. And, and there's a greater distance between media and players than I think uh, that I've ever experienced. And I've been doing this a long time now. Well, with the reduction in travel, that that's, added some time onto the uh, timestamp for you. Do you have an end date at all, Charlie? Or do you feel like you're no, this thing out? No. You know, again, the Dodgers have been so unspeakably good to me. The fact that I'm not 
traveling much anymore. Um, you know, I, I've been lucky enough in, in many ways to uh, walk in the same path that Vin did. Vin was the first one to uh, start cutting back on schedule. And travel and the road, you do it a lot. It beats you up. And at some point, I just said, okay, I, I this is... This is now not as much fun as it used to be. And as I say, you don't have that much of a relationship anymore between players, whether it's at uh, you know, a local bar and whatever it is. Now, of course, with the pandemic, nobody's going anywhere anyway. So it's still fun to call a game, only the discipline has changed because the circumstances around us have changed. What's your favorite sporting event to call? Oh, I guess the seventh game of the World Series. No, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, like, take all that aside. Like, a championship is one thing, but I mean, like, if it's just a regular game or just a regular boxing match, like, what is your favorite uh, event? To you call? know, I've I've been so lucky. I I I, I covered boxing in their in its last golden era. It began with Ali and mm-hmm. it ended with uh, uh, Tyson biting Holyfield's ear and pretty much every big fight in between. And I those the night of a heavyweight championship when, you know, there are tens of thousands at the arena, millions watching around the world, the loneliness of the two fighters coming down from their respective uh, locker rooms and their, their uh, satin robes crowd going crazy. There's nothing quite like the adrenaline of that. And one of the reasons why I decided to get away from boxing, it was because that, wasn't existing much anymore either. So one of those, or the anticipation of a championship game, I did a bunch of Rose Bowls. and I, 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 Look, I've had a very gumpy experience. I've been really lucky. I've covered a lot of big stuff. But, you know, I, as crazy as it was, calling the World Series from my living room had the same adrenaline rush for me that night as uh, covering any of those uh, championship fights. All right, Charlie, it's time to get out the crystal ball. You've mentioned that you don't think things are going to go back to the way they were. Uh, let me let me quiz you here. Now, what, sure. exa- you, what does that mean? You, you, the, the locker room access, do you, do you believe that we will get back to non-Zoom calls once we move on from the pandemic? Or are, are they just going to limit access to the locker room in general and just have uh, the way it is right now be the, the new normal? The answer is I'm not sure. But I am reasonably sure that players are very happy not to have media in their workspace. I think they've always treated it, even in less antagonistic days between media and players, as their workspace. It's their office. They don't like people coming into their office. Um, And I get that. Um, So Will it at some point return to what it was? I don't know. Ben, you're down there before games. How many guys are actually in the clubhouse when you go looking for them? They're in the food room. They're in the quiet room. They're in the trainer's room. It's not like, ooh, hey, here's Ben. Let's go talk. Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing too, Charlie. Because especially with these new locker rooms, well, I guess they're not new anymore. They're all old locker. But remember, in the old days, they didn't have as many hiding places, so the guys had to stay. A lot of them had to stay in their lockers because there was there weren't a lot of places to go. But now, and they and they rather enjoyed it. I must tell you. Uh, again, going back to years when I would be in a, a a clubhouse with an old tape recorder over my shoulder and a little hand mic and all of that, 
there was a greater understanding of that ecosystem I was talking about earlier where, okay, this is part of the drill. And so after a game, you might sit with a player, have a beer with them and smoke a cigarette with them. And again, showing how much, how far back it goes, but it was, it was part of the understanding of of their workspace, our workspace and our mutual love for baseball. Uh, Now you've got players who've got, their agents, they've got their, their Twitter feeds, they've got all this other stuff that seems to take a greater priority uh, for their time and space than players who preceded them by 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So that's different. So to answer the questions, if they go back, it might. Will the relationships be what they once were? Not likely. Yeah, and then as you also referenced the the play by play guys on the road, and that a lot I understand a lot of teams this year also at least at the beginning of the year uh, the broadcasters are not going to travel uh, this this season in general. So uh, is that something uh, that you think m- majority of the teams I, are just going to avoid paying for? That's a lot of money to travel and stay at these hotels, and it's a big expense. You're absolutely right. I think that may be. I'm not saying definitively. But it may be a uh, a byproduct of the post-pandemic era. Um, and again, if I can listen to the World Series film and I hear me and I know I'm in this room having broadcast it, yet watching it there and knowing that or sounding like I was there when I wasn't, I think what will eventually happen to some degree they will cut down on 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 announcers traveling because they don't have to yeah well and uh charlie uh, just in general you've had such a great run here uh with your your many stops along the way but there's people you know some listeners little younger guys that want to they want to be you charlie they want to reach the heights of charlie stein any pearls <laughs> of wisdom you have for the younger generations that are listening that want to follow in your footsteps don't be afraid to fail. Be available. Um, be prepared. There are no shortcuts. It's hard. It is, um, it is a very subjective business. Some people may think you're wonderful, and different people will hear the same thing that the others heard and say, Jesus, he's awful. Um, all you can do is the best you can. Um, and... And work real hard and be around. And as uh, Branch Rickey said, luck is the residue of design. If you're there, you might get lucky. But nobody's going to knock on your front door and say, hey, would you like to come and be a Major League Baseball announcer? you got to work your ass off to get there. And even then, there's no guarantee you're going to get it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh you mentioned earlier uh, social media. Uh, that is something that's changed in our lifetimes, Charlie, uh, a lot with the the uh, importance the importance of social media. Now, I have a love hate relationship with uh, with social media. I'm on there because of the the job and, and doing a talk show. You need to be on there and whatnot. But uh, sure. it's uh, I'm not a big fan. But uh, how 
How has that entered into the uh, equation? Because so many of the stories today in the sports news cycle seem to come from Instagram or Twitter. It's uh, it's a fascinating change that's taken place. I don't know if it's a change for the better. Do you think it's a change for the better? Not really. No, I, I do not have a Twitter account. Um, my feeling is if I have something to say, I will say it on mic during a game or with you. Um, and that's as far as it goes. You know, I don't care much about what I think, let alone uh, do I necessarily want to share that with people that I do not know. Uh, so, no, I'm not a fan of it. I do look at it on occasion just to get a sense of, you know, what fans are thinking about. Uh, but I would, uh, I would never engage in that because it's just not, that's not a neighborhood I want to live in. Now you were the you were a big guy at ESPN in when in the heyday. I consider it the heyday of ESPN. Uh, you know, it's still a monster. It's probably bigger now than it was then. But as far as financially, but it, that mattered, Charlie. Those days when you were doing Sports Center and there was no, there wasn't social media and the internet was still you know in the early stages and it was archaic and and things like that. That Sports Center when you hosted that show that was must see TV. That's how people got. The, the sporting news, what was it like in those early days at ESPN when, I mean, all you guys became big stars, uh, you know, in that time and then in the years that followed, but you guys have had great careers. But what was it like when you were doing that and that was that was the epicenter of sports media? I was, I was so lucky. Um, I got hired in 1988, never having had a lick of television experience. Uh, but a fellow named John Walsh came in and his task was to turn sports center into something. Uh, and then they started to hire people. Um, and I was, I was the first of the new breed that they brought in as, as an anchor. And again, I had to learn on the fly. Um, Peter Gammons was just starting. Andrea Kramer was just starting. Uh, and they had no television experience either. Uh, and then within a year, year and a half, uh, Dan Patrick came in, Keith Olbermann came in, Robin Roberts came in, young Mike Tirico came in. Um, and it was this surge of talent. Um, and we were working in this little pipsqueak town, Bristol, Connecticut. And it was, in fact, my agent at the time, when, when, when they, finally, they made an offer to me, they reached out and said, do you want to come here? Well, okay. He, said, he didn't think it was a very good idea. He said, it's a, you know, it's a little cable station in Connecticut. And I said, well, if, if ever I was going to try television, this is as good as any. And if it didn't work out, I could always go back to radio where I'd had some success. And so all of a sudden, this sports center thing is beginning to take off and we were the last ones to realize it i mean we just lived in connecticut we we're playing tv and this thing espn was coming on the air mtv was coming on the air cnn was coming on uh, on the air uh all in the late 70s early 80s and it was like whoa so we got swept up on it uh, and in it, uh, had no idea, I mean, no idea 
that it would become the thing that it became. And then I think the thing that really kind of put us over the top, ultimately, at least in terms of sports center personalities and all that, were the uh, sports center commercials, which still have pretty good shelf life. So, again, we were the last ones to know. And the other thing I think that made it successful was the fact that we were in Bristol and we had nobody else except us. So it became this nuclear family inside this concrete building uh, in, in Connecticut. And so we as a group grew up together, and we as a group were, were watched by, you know, as it turned out, millions of people. And everybody was wondering how they're going to fit 24 hours a day of sports. Well, they did. And, and we were just all very fortunate. I got to work with uh, Bob Lee for Every day for 12 of my 14 years there, and, and Bob and Robin Roberts and I, the three of us, were together every day for about seven years. So we were just lucky, and it, and it worked out. You know, luck is a residue of design. Yeah, and and, uh, and even all you know these years later, since you've been doing the baseball, those those highlights on on YouTube, some of your the commercials are still popular. Yeah. The blooper videos, though, Charlie, I got to ask you about that. Now, you mentioned you had not done TV before. Your laugh so infectious. My my favorite was you were doing the the Mitch Blood Green uh, uh, story and Aberdashery. <laughs> that was uh, what was it like like uh what were the people like around the camera and the support staff and the people you're working with because you you lost it a couple of times on it was great television but what was were they busting your chops while you were doing that what was that like well i uh, the first time i lost it was carl lewis and his wretched uh rendition of the national anthem um and at that point that was 92 so i'm i'm on the air maybe three years. I'm still trying to get my, uh, my sea legs under me. And that morning, uh, driving to work, I listened on the radio and they had about a 10 second clip of Carl Lewis butchering the anthem. It was the Nets and uh, Bulls in Jersey. And, and so we had a, a production meeting every day about 10, 10 30 for our seven o'clock show. And I said, I heard the damnedest thing on the radio today. Carl Lewis doing the anthem and it wasn't very good. Maybe the tape room has it from last night. Well, 15, 20 minutes later, they come upstairs back when there were cartridge tapes, put it in and the entire anthem is in there. And we go, Oh, this is gold. Um, and they always would give me the kicker, the final story of the, of the night, you know, something stupid that I was, I was good at stupid. So now we decided that's going to be the last story of the day. Um, and throughout the day, people keep hearing about this Carl Lewis thing. And they came by and, and, and where I sat long before we had offices, we had little pods. Um, they kept, they, they popped in the Carl Lewis anthem, and it, it was awful. Every time I heard it, I laughed. And I'm figuring by 7 o'clock, having heard it maybe 20 or 25 times that day, I would have been laughed out. Wrong. Um, so he sings, and I'm going to make it up to you and all of that. And uh, It was you know historically bad, and I got lucky. I got a, as I'm losing it now, 
that popped into my head, Francis Scott, off-key. I don't know where it came from, but I'm glad that it did. So anyway, so now I have thoroughly lost it. I'm on the air for about 30 seconds, and boogers are flying out of my nose, and then spits coming out of my mouth. But I go back upstairs when the day is done to put my earpiece in my desk and all that. And I'm thinking, I'm I'm done. I'm fired. This is this is not gonna this is not gonna last. When I go up into the newsroom, everybody is still laughing hysterically. I'm thinking, okay, well maybe I can survive this thing. That night at the eleven o'clock show, Keith and Dan, I think the first and only time they ever re-aired an entire segment from the seven o'clock show of me and Carl Lewis. And and then the reaction was such, and it, it became in many ways kind of liberating that if I could survive that, and I wasn't worried about what the camera was seeing because I had lost it, then it just naturally loosened me up on television. And so it was, uh, it was therapeutic for me as a broadcaster. And so then when I saw funny and stupid stuff, it was easier for me to just let it go. Charlie, what's your favorite uh, ESPN commercial that you ever did? Ben and I were talking about it off air, so kind of curious what you thought. I guess "Follow Me to Freedom" only because it Timeless. still works. You know, I, I did one with uh, Melrose Place, was Bobby the Pool Boy, and I, I again they <laughs> gave me a lot of you know punchlines. I was a walking punchline for fourteen years there, but I guess "Follow Me to Freedom," which is now more than 20 years old, still works. Yeah, it does. Uh, hey, Charlie, uh, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. I hope to see you at the ballpark when things get back to some sense of normal there. I haven't seen you in a while, but uh, thanks for coming yeah. on and continued domination on the Dodger broadcast. I hear you all the time, and you, you're, you're doing a great job. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's Location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. 
Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Maller here. It's bracket season, and you can pre-register now for the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge at foxsportsradio.com. Get details, rules, and pre-register today so you can easily create your winning bracket when it's live on March 17th. Once you fill out your bracket, you'll be entered for a chance to win the ultimate college sports trip for you and a friend, including travel and stays at any graduate hotel's location sponsored by Tractor Supply and Graduate Hotels, where college fans stay. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.